Hello and welcome to the Writing Your Best Self podcast with me, Georgina Elmashady. Journaling is an incredible self-improvement practice that will help you cultivate the introspection and self-awareness you need to become your best self. Each week, we explore tried and tested techniques along with journaling prompts to help you dig deeper into yourself so you can leverage the wisdom within to achieve your biggest goals and create your best life. Let's get writing. Hello and welcome back. This week I'm super excited because today is another episode in our interview series and this week I'm interviewing the incredible Dimple Thakra. And Dimple is an executive love and relationship coach. She has two decades of coaching experience. She's also a best-selling author and she's been seen on everything from the BBC to Good Housekeeping to the Huffington Post and the Times. Now Dimple, Dimple specialism is helping people repair broken marriages And this is really all born from her own personal experience with her marriage. So a few years back, Dimple had a pivotal moment while on a Tony Robbins event. And basically, it it saved her marriage. And what's beautiful is Dimple's just had her 25th wedding anniversary. And that was actually supposed to be the date of her divorce. But instead, Dimple and her husband are now more in love than ever. In this episode, you're going to hear the story of how Dimple turned her marriage around and how she transformed as a person in the process with the help of tools such as journaling, radical self-responsibility, and also a commitment to deep inner work. Now, what I love about this episode and Dimple's story is that it's proof that you can rekindle lost love in a powerful, powerful way, and in the process, fall more in love with yourself. Now, this episode is packed with emotion. Dimple is going to go deep into her story about what happened with at the Tony Robbins event and I'm really excited for you to hear about Dimple's experiences and how she's been able to create a beautifully fulfilling and meaningful relationship with her husband. It's time to dive straight into the episode. Hey everyone, so I'm super excited. Today I have Dimple Thakra in the hot seat and we're going to talk all about relationships and marriage and how to create an amazing connection with the person in your life. So Dimple, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much, Georgina. I'm like super grateful to have the opportunity and the privilege to speak to your audience. I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. I know you have the most incredible relationship story with lots of ups and downs. And so I'm really excited to dive into how you've done the work both yourself and with your partner, with your husband, and how things have really turned around for you in your relationship, but then also your life as well. So maybe we can start with like the story. Um, it'd be amazing if you could just talk a little bit about what was happening with your marriage and the point you got to when the, the transformation happened for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So um, what happened was I've been married now to my beautiful man for 25 years and we've been together 30 years yeah and I would say probably about 15 of those years in our married life were rocky to say the least and love wasn't the problem the love has always been the strong thread throughout the problem was is not understanding how to do relationships 
That was the problem. Like nobody teaches you how to do relationship at school. We learn ABC so we can read. We learn one, two, three, so we can do maths. Who teaches you the skills of like relationship, right? And I'm saying this now with hindsight. And when we were in it, we were so stuck. I was so miserable. He was miserable because let me tell you, he's a serial entrepreneur. So being married to a man who is so focused on his work. And for those of you who are married to serial entrepreneurs and executives or who are entrepreneurs yourself, you know what it be like what it's like to be with somebody who can be so disconnected to you a lot of the time. And so our marriage got to a point where he like on our 20th wedding anniversary, we just said enough. We're just we're causing each other so much pain. And the roller coaster of making up, arguing, making up, arguing, it got where the arguments and the silence, the cold silences were longer than the good times, right? And we were just exhausted with it. We'd got where we were just roommates, past the salt kind of conversation. And in the meantime, to throw in the mix, we had two beautiful daughters and they were feeling it, right? And so what we thought was the right thing was to plan our divorce for our 25th wedding anniversary so that um, the children would be old enough, right? We're trying to save them from the pain instead of seeing how much pain we were putting them through on a daily basis. And... I then, I worked in the NHS, in the National Health Service, and the same time started my own business and was, has been, I've been coaching for like 22 years now and using NLP strategies. My first book is all, my first book is all around your relationship with food because I'm a registered dietitian as well. Mm-hmm. And so I developed this program called Food Freedom, which is all around using NLP strategies to support your relationship with food because I was anorexic as a child and I didn't want my girls to ever suffer that and have that. Um, I reached a point at around 13 that I had a choice. Do I hit the self-destruct button or do I decide to search for the truth? And that's why I went into becoming a dietitian. Because even at that age, I knew that there was more. That's awareness. That's, that's incredible awareness to have that at that age, to recognize that I was like the self-destruct button, and, but there was another way out. 100%. I mean, I literally was being hospitalized that week before I decided to, like, just this is not the way to live. Yeah, so there was huge self-awareness, even at that age, um, to seek the truth. That was the, has been the underlying thing for me my whole life. What is the truth here? The media was portraying images that weren't real. Like I'd got down to four and a half stone, which Gosh. was just like I'm five foot, two and a half. So I'm a small lady anyway, but four and a half stone. Mm-hmm. Is okay. yeah, yeah. It's half my body weight now, right? So, how did the, that experience of like being anorexic and, and getting to that place? How do you think that affected 
your self-esteem and your self-confidence and and then extrapolating that forward to the life that you then let, lived into like, do you feel this 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 played a role in what happened next 100% Georgine and what happened was I realized with hindsight that there's a pattern right it's almost like I had to go to extreme pain right before I reached that point of that pain threshold right and, and and so there was a pattern developing and the same thing occurred with my marriage, right? I had to reach that level of pain, that threshold of pain to go, where's the truth? Let me seek the truth. What's going on, right? So I, um, that same thing occurred, exact same thing occurred with my marriage, the same pattern. I had to reach, I had to reach a level of self-destruct before I decided so divine intervention I got a business coach because I'd started my coaching private coaching business at the same time as working for the NHS and um, so that was um, June July-ish 2016 got a business coach and she introduced me to Tony Robbins okay and at the time I'm like who is this big guy anyway and I listened to some of his videos on YouTube and it resonated with me. It was like, this guy makes sense. And it was almost like my soul was going back home. It was recognizing things. Right. Right. That it, it knew, like when you meet an old friend, mm-hmm. but you don't know, you've never met them before, mm-hmm. but you know. Right. And so turned out that my business started taking off really well. And the coaching business was going really well. And it was an in-person coaching business at that time. And I developed this whole program around food freedom and, and wrote my first book and all of that. And then, um, and again, it's interesting because in such a short period of time, it went really well, which tells me I was super aligned with what I was doing, right? And so I... I um, Found out about Tony Robbins, heard that he was coming to London for UPW in April 2017, bought the best ticket I could possibly have, right? I wanted to be on the front row because yeah. that's how I am. I'm all in. I'm either not or I'm all in, right? If I'm, if I'm losing weight, I'm doing it to the extreme. If I'm having the best marriage or the worst marriage, I'm doing it to the extreme, right? And so I got the best tickets. And at the time, it was like £3,500 and like new business. So that was a lot to invest. And my husband's like, are you crazy? Like, uh, always supported me, always, right? So then I, I, and at the time, of course, our marriage was on the rocks. It was like, okay, go do what you need to do. I'll take care of the children five days out. Like, just go do what you need to do. And um, I went along and on day one, Tony talked about relationships and how, well, firstly, I got there and the best seat that I bought that was supposed to be at the front of the house wasn't at the front of the house. It was actually, I'm like, what? There's a thing called platinum partners that go first. No, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) So he started talking to me about platinum partners and and like this 
whole event that they have that's called Relationship. And he does it every two years. And the next one's in October of that year. And um, again, I get pulled by intuition and I didn't realize that that's what I, when I work best. Uh, and something pulled me to that table and I signed up. <laughs> right. Like jumping in. It's right. Let's go for this. Let's just do it, right? No idea what I'm doing. Never traveled to the world on my own before. I get lost in bathrooms in restaurants because there's too many doors. I get like the kids have to come and get me because I can't find my way out. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally lost. So anyway, I signed up and it was midnight. And I remember ringing my husband and saying, I've done something completely crazy, like completely off the scale crazy. And so, oh, hold on, the dogs are barking because I think there's somebody at the door. So you have to cut this out. Um, yeah, so I'm just in a small apartment in Spain, so I have to, like, use the, the same area. So, um Basically, I rang him up and I, I said, I've done something extremely crazy. Please don't shout. And he said to me, I've been traveling the world for 48 hours. I'm really exhausted. Please just tell me what it is. We'll deal with it. And with hindsight, I was thinking he probably thought I was having an affair. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Not buying Tony Robbins stuff. <laughs> right? And I said to him, okay. I've joined something called Platinum Partners and it costs US$75,000. And I vomited out the amount, right? Just started my own business. I didn't have US$75,000. What the fuck? <laughs> and then I didn't even realize that it, it means 12 months of traveling the world, going to all these events. Like, that's some commitment. <laughs> like, especially when you don't know what you're doing, what you're committing to. Like, I just jumped in. And this beautiful man, this was lesson number one, he turned around and he said to me, bearing in mind, right, that we're really in a bad place, we're not getting on, right? We're, he, we're planning our divorce like a business strategy, all the assets and everything were splitting, right? And he turned around and he said to me, listen, 20 years ago, you invested in me. You took a job. You were the breadwinner. You took, so we had stable income so I could go and pursue my dream of my business. And for 10 years, you were the sole income and it was stable and you raised the girls at the same time and I was nowhere to be seen. And he said, so the way I see this, it's an investment in you now and your business. And I just, I nearly cried, right? Because that was lesson number one. Where else, like, where else am I not seeing stuff? Where are my blind spots? And this is why we have to do the journaling. We have to do the personal development to help us see what we don't see, right? This beautiful man 
So that was lesson number one. And then I went on a couple of the events around the world. And then the next thing, challenge was getting him to come to relationship because it was the only event that you were allowed to bring your partner. But here's the thing. It was in Hawaii for two weeks, one of my bucket list places. It was in Maui. And not only was it in Maui, but it universe always tests, right? It was at exactly the same time that he had his biggest trade show for a brand new company that he just acquired. And that was in France. And this was in Maui. So he had a choice. Does he let his wife down and support 150 people in a new company as the new CEO in France? Or does he let 150 people down, including his family, because the business was a family business, and come to Maui for me? So does he choose work or does he choose love? Um, was, was, that a, was, that a, was that a choice for him in the sense of, did, did you discover that was one of the big things in his life? Like he was always on that fence between which side does he go? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was always, and it felt for me like he always chose work. And the truth is he didn't. He chose work for love. He chose work to provide for love. I, I'm his biggest motivator. And I didn't realize that then, right? And he chose lesson number two. He chose love. He dropped all that to come to Maui on what appeared like a jolly to everybody else. So, And by this point, were you starting to think that there was a chance that you could save your marriage? Or was it still, you were still going down the, down the track of divorce? Yeah, yeah, we were. We, we, because it, was, it, it felt like one step forward, ten back all the time. Right? And this, I felt, was the last, last resort. This was like the last straw, the last piece that if the big guy can't save us, nobody can. Right? So going down this track of impending divorce at the same time that you're investing in this inner work with Tony Robbins in yourself, which is in, in allowing you to see your husband in a new way. Like he wasn't really any different, but you were seeing things differently. And this was starting to change the dynamics between the two of you. It, it wasn't at that point, because all these lessons that I'm talking about are hindsight. Because even then I couldn't see it. Right. I was taking him to Maui to fix him. Do you think this is a common trait in relationships, that people tend to end up thinking, you've got to fix the other person, and then they don't end up looking at themselves? Is, is that something you see a lot in your work? 100%. And it's the piece that I, when I um, take on new clients, it's the, I do an interview. I actually interview them to see if they're ready. Because if they are in a place of blaming somebody else for their mishaps, then they're not ready. Mm -hmm. Right? They have to come from a place of, right, I take full responsibility for me and how I show up. And I wasn't taking full responsibility. I was doing the inner work, but I'm the coach, right? I've got all the answers. 
Right. He's the one that needs to do the inner work. Right. What's wrong with him? Right? What an idiot. Like, he's got an amazing woman here that knows it all. <laughs> What's wrong with him? <laughs> right? Couldn't see it. It was a blind spot. That's what blind spots are. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see it. Right? I was the good girl doing all the work on me. Well, why wasn't he bringing that to the table? Does need to be um, right and get, have, yeah. have the upper hand, have, be in control. Of his, I think Absolutely. Like, all of that. Exactly, Georgina. All of that. I was right. That made him wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I'm, there was I'm, all... Why do, you, why do you think we get to a place in relationships where we almost have to protect ourselves in that way so that we can be right and we can have the upper hand? Why do so many of us find ourselves in that place? It's a great question. And as I go through the story, you'll, you'll get right. the answer to that. It's a great question. So let me um, piece it together because there's a, there's a gem in the story that answers that. So, um, so we find ourselves at Maui. And we're starting relationship. Day one, Tony, and bearing in mind, my husband has no clue who Tony Robbins is. This is his first event, right? Talk about jumping it's, in the deep end. <laughs> it's an intimate event. I know everybody because this is a platinum partner event only. So I know everybody. I've already been on three events. I already know everybody. And... Um, I'm a social butterfly. I make it my business that everybody knows me, right? And so we go to the event day one, and the first thing Tony says is, who is in this room who doesn't want to be here? And he puts his arm around his back, like, I've got your arm twisted, right? Three people stand up. My husband is one of them. I nearly... this. I'm, there's a duality that goes on in my body. I'm split. I remember it so distinctly. There's one part of me that's going, what a fucking idiot. Excuse my French. Sit down. How dare you stand here in front of Tony Robbins and embarrass me in front of all my friends, right? And there's another part of me split down the middle going, oh, God, that's my man. I'm so proud of him. He does not give two hoots who he's in front of because he stands for what he believes in, even in front of Tony Robbins, right? So there's this duality. Already I'm being aware now of my masculine and feminine energy, right? And how my marriage has been playing out, how I've been showing up, right? And he looks Tony straight in the eye. And Tony looks him straight in the eye. And it was a beautiful moment of pure masculine brotherhood. Honour and respect. There was no judgment. There was no criticism. Tony looked him straight in the eye and downloaded so much love and respect for him. And he looked at all in the eye and he said, I ask just one thing of you, sir, one thing. And Atul said, what? And he said, to keep an open mind. 
And because Atul, because Tony honoured Atul with such respect, he said, yes, okay, I can do that. I can absolutely do that. And so day one went amazingly. And then at the end of day one, we had the biggest fight. And I basically, when I look back, was being the bitch from hell. I was the one going, the fight was all that he wanted to go to bed early and why he didn't want to play with my friends and how embarrassing and everybody else has got their partners there and how dare you go to all that noise, right? He'd been around the world again. He was shattered. He'd just done a full day of Tony Robbins. He's never had that experience before. It requires stamina, like, for those of you who don't know who Tony Robbins is, he does 12-hour days full stop, no pee breaks, no nothing. You're jumping around. You're, he's pulling parts of you that you didn't even know were there, right? And my husband has traveled the world to do this. He'd already been traveling because the business he'd acquired was a global business. So he'd been Australia, China, Turkey, and then Hawaii, right? Imagine his time zones and where his body clock was. And so I, did, I, I basically was so angry with him and so like horrible with him when I look back, but I felt it was justified. Mm-hmm. So the next day I banished him to a different side of the room and I went and sat on the front row with all my friends, right? And I was basically the bitch from hell all day. He was trying to make up to me and comfort me. And I was a bitch. I was like, just go. Don't even, like, I don't want you anywhere in my sight. We're done. We're done. Like, if you can't be bothered to socialize, we are done. Right? And so what happened was, basically what happened was, at about 10.30 at night, Tony had done a full day and we were, there was somebody, um, an expert on the screen. And I stood up and said a comment to this expert. And you know when you've said the wrong thing? Okay. And the whole energy and the vibe, there's 500 people in the room and the energy just went. Oh my right? God, how did that feel? I just was like, holy shit, something's about to occur. And Tony from the back of the room, I didn't see him, but I felt him stood up and all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and he pounded down from the back of the room down the aisle and it was like, fee, fi, fo, thumb. Like this giant was ascending towards me. And as he's pounding down the room, he bellows, where is Dimple? My heart stopped beating. The, I could feel everybody in the room stop breathing. And he came round and I stood up. And as I stood up, he came round and I'm... I'm five foot two and a half. He's six foot seven. And he towered over me with this horse head. And he said, 
And he started to absolutely let rip at me. And the velocity and the ferociousness to which he started to scream at me, like there are platinum partners who have been partners there for 15 years that they've never known him to be that intense. Now, I want to say at this point, there was no way or under there wasn't an ounce of my body, not one cell in my body was scared. I never felt intimidated or attacked by this man. I felt pure integrity, right? So I want to make that absolutely clear. He was not attacking me. He was serving me at the highest level. And as he started to bellow at me, this is lesson number three. My beautiful man came from nowhere and he walked down the aisle with his chest out and his shoulders back and he was walking with such strength and determination and he was heading straight for Tony, straight for him. And at the piece that was the biggest wake-up moment for me was it took for Tony Robbins to stop what he was doing, see my man, put his arm around him and say, is this the man you're talking about not forgiving? Because my comment was all about not forgiving. Basically, one point for me. I don't have to forgive that man because I'm in the right and he's in the wrong, right? So Tony put his arm around me, uh, around Atul, and he said, this, the brother you're talking about not forgiving. He said, I effing love this man. He's walked down that aisle and he's walked there and he's ready to take me down to protect you. He's ready to fight me, Tony Robbins, to protect you. He's shown more courage today than you will have ever shown in your marriage. And he, he put his arm around Atul and he said, I having loved this brother. Because Atul was coming down the aisle to fight Tony Robbins because nobody speaks to his woman like that. But here's lesson number three. I didn't see it. I didn't see him come to protect me. So if I didn't see it come, if I didn't see him come, what else had I not seen in 20 years? How many times had this man come to protect me and I hadn't acknowledged him and I hadn't honoured him and I hadn't respected him? How many times? And so then the, the intensity continued for about 40 minutes. And then the actual intervention took two hours. And during that intervention, I was asked to go down on my hands and knees and beg for forgiveness to my husband for all the years that I had demasculated him, for all the years that I had risen in my masculine to protect myself. And the reason Tony had come at me with such intensity is because I was in my masculine energy and he was matching it. That's how intense my masculine energy was, but I didn't know. I was completely unaware. So in answer to your question before, 
what had occurred was I had risen in my masculine when I, when I became a mother because my husband was an entrepreneur and he was nowhere to be seen because he'd gone to provide. And because I'd risen in my masculine, that required me to think that I had to protect myself. So I rose in my masculine, he was still in his masculine, and the problem was that there was no attraction there, there was no polarity, so we ended up um, not having any physical chemistry. It was like sleeping with your brother, right? Sleeping with a man. So we ended up repelling each other. So what occurred was for him to maintain the physical attraction, he dropped into his feminine and became a pleaser. So there was polarity. I was wearing the trousers. I'd ripped his balls off. He'd handed them me and he'd become feminized. So there was still some chemistry, but it was inauthentic. So we were still having intimacy, but it wasn't like passionate. It was just functional. And so that was the moment that we readdressed the balance. That was the moment that he promised to rise in his masculine and take care of me and that was the moment I promised to surrender and trust that he would. And so that's why, as women, we do that. And our strength is in forgiving and surrendering. That day, I asked for forgiveness of him, and I asked for forgiveness of myself. And I surrendered. And it's a work in progress. There are still moments when I go into my masculine and this is the stuff that I teach. This is the stuff. This is just like the tip of the iceberg. Because then after that, I went heavily, I fully immersed myself. You know, I'm like all or nothing kind of girl. <laughs> fully immersed myself. I invested almost quarter of a million in US dollars in personal development and growth. And now I work with executives, entrepreneurs, male entrepreneurs and their wives to support them because my man felt like a failure, even though he's a super successful entrepreneur. And this is a trend that I'm seeing as women are rising, as the vibration is rising, as we're rising in spirituality, who's taking care of the men? Who's looking after the men? They feel displaced. They feel heroes and kings in their work and they come home and they're completely demasculated. So why, why do women feel they need to be in their masculine, in their relationships? Where's that coming from? It usually occurs when they start having children. Or when they become... Trigger? Yeah, it's, it's because of fear of who's going to protect. Like, they've suddenly got something else to look after and protect, right? And or it occurs when they start going into the workplace and modeling successful men. So they think that's the way to become successful. And they disconnect from their feminine power. Mm -hmm their source so we we have masculine and feminine energies within us it's not that we don't access it to be a mother you have to access your masculine because it requires doing i have to get my kids to school on time right mm -hmm. but it's about 
how much time we spend in our inauthentic energy. So I'll give you an example. Before before that intervention, I was operating at 80% masculine, 20% female, feminine. And that for me was inauthentic. How do I know this? Because I was creating pain in my body. I had severe neck pain for 15 years, right? Because it creates um, extra testosterone in our bodies. So we are in an imbalance in our hormones, right? And we can do that for a certain amount of time, but if we're doing it consistently all the time throughout the day, then we create illness in our body, right? And so what occurred was he was out all day. So I was like, there's nobody to protect. I have to rise and protect. And that also occurs when we go into the workplace because we don't have great role models. It's shifting now with mm -hmm. COVID. There's been a shift. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, think about the boardroom. Mm -hmm. The ball breaker woman who comes in suited and booted and breaks balls. She cuts men off, demasculates them. She's the powerhouse, right? But everybody hates her. They do it with resentment. And then you have the feminine woman who comes in, who acknowledges, who praises, but who is so certain with the direction she wants to go in. And the men are bending over backwards to support the direction for the greater good of everyone, right? So women are starting to understand their feminine power. So the minute it flicked the switch for me and I went back into my 80% feminine, which is my natural home, and my 20% masculine. So the numbers are arbitrary. It's just to illustrate the point, right? So in your relationship, when you made that switch, can you give us some examples of how did, how did you show up differently when you were in your feminine as opposed to your masculine? How, if you can give us some like, tangible examples so people that may not yeah. understand they not be familiar with these concepts. They can really grasp what that actually looks like in practice. 100%. There's three things that occur that women do when they're in their masculine and, and they have an impact on their men that we don't realize. And those three things are, and this is what I learned at Relationship in the Tony Robbins event, mm -hmm. and those three things are we criticize our men, we control them, we close them. And the fourth thing, actually, is we coach them. So we criticize them, right? Yeah. 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 We, so I spend a lot of time with my masculine criticizing. Don't do it like that. Stop being an idiot. Don't you know that that's how you do it? Right? I spent time telling him, you should do it like this. This is how you should do it, coaching him. And then I spent time closing, denying him sex, denying him intimacy. I'm fine. Leave me alone. When I went into my feminine, I stopped doing those things. And I started to praise him. I started to acknowledge him. I started to focus on what he was doing rather than what he wasn't doing. I started to build him up. I started to be his biggest champion, even if it wasn't the way I wanted. So be it. I'm in Spain now because it wasn't what I planned. I let him lead. I trusted he has me. I trusted I have me. I trusted it will all be okay. So and what did that take in you to be able to 
because I'm, I'm getting the sense that those four C's you mentioned, that was all about allowing you to feel in control and giving you a sense of safety because you yes. were able to know where, what this man was going to do because you had like control over him. So what does right. it take to make that shift to being able to let go and surrender and, and lean back? A lot of inner work. A lot. I meditate every day. I journal every day. I ask myself questions every day. Awareness. I catch myself going into fear. I know what fear feels like for me now. I actually have a name for it. I have a tangible name for it. I do a lot of NLP strategies on me. I learned to be an energetic healer, so I heal my own. And I actually have a coach. I have a healer. I have somebody to help me do that right? And I do the work every day. I do not take any appointments before 12 o'clock because I spend time filling me up. I do not expect him to fill me up. I don't expect him to be the source of my happiness anymore. I'm the source of my happiness. I am responsible for my happiness. I am the actual source, right? And so what occurs is the work. I do the work. I don't expect him to. And the knock-on effect is that because I come back to me and I don't have neck pain anymore, that neck pain went on that intervention after having years of physio and acupuncture and it completely went. Wow. That's crazy. Right? So women, if you're having physical pain and it's not going and there's not an organic reason for it, I suggest you need to look at how you operating most of the time. Right? We go to work, we have powerful jobs. Are we coming home and are we still wearing the trousers? Is there a period where you need to transition and... I found movement, dancing, singing. I have playlists that I dance and sing to like a crazy lady (laughs) that help me reconnect with who I am. And so I became an energetic healer and now I I help women with that. So I had a client who was in Australia and she had back pain for 15 years to the point where she was bed-bound and immobile completely debilitated. She came to me because she, her and her husband were having problems because they wanted children, but she was too scared. And this back pain, lower back pain. And so did some energetic healing with, with her. Within 45 minutes, I could, that back pain was lifted completely. And it was all to do with her holding on to this control and some past life work lifted the back pain within minutes she was able to walk again and she sent me a message um three months ago that uh, she actually had her first newborn oh wow right and he was conceived the first time they tried they were so happy the pregnancy is happy she started a new career like everything because we worked on energy we worked on strategy and supported her worked with her for three months but there was that one piece where you shift the energy balance and you can alleviate pain physical pain in your body 
So crazy. It, That's just one time. It almost feels like like your body is giving you and your body's giving you the signals to kind of say there's something there's something wrong here. But then we have to do the inner work to yeah. actually dig in to find out what is what it what is wrong. So I'd, I'd love yeah. to dive, dive a little bit more into like finding safety and security in your feminine energy, because I feel yeah. that that's kind of what you were saying is that one of the reasons we get stuck in this masculine energy is because we feel that safe, that sense of certainty. We, like, we maybe know who we are because mm. we feel control. So how, how, mm. what is the feminine equivalent of that safety? What does that look like? And how do you find that for yourself? So the feminine equivalent, what we require, the three things that we require is safety. We require to be heard and to be seen, right? Now, what happens is we are sourcing those things outside of us. So we expect to get them from our relationship. And when we don't, we end up feeling let down and disappointed, right? The problem is if we're not listening to ourselves, and we're not hearing ourselves and we're not mm-hmm. working on ourselves, mm-hmm. how can we expect to receive that from somebody else if we're not receiving it from ourselves? That's a really good point. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So he was providing me with safety all the time. I just wasn't seeing it in the language that he was providing it. Mm-hmm. So learning the different languages, the way a man gives you safety and the way you receive it, Mm -hmm. right? So his idea of providing me with safety is going out to work and doing things. I was registering that as him leaving me alone and I'm scared. So the moment I reframed it and went, ah, okay, he's going out to provide. So how can I make myself feel safe? Well, I can do that by filling my cup up. Right, Because if I'm operating from a half cup and then giving to him from that reserve, I am feeling resentful for giving because I'm depleting myself. So what if I decided that I'm going to fill me up first and then give from a place of overflow? And the way I do that, the way I make myself feel safe is I do the things that make me feel good. So in the morning, I spend that time seeing friends, connecting with other women, dancing or doing some form of exercise, physical movement, meditation, quietening the mind, journaling, having fun, connecting with my daughters, playing, just being, getting my nails done, looking after me. I don't expect that from the relationship anymore. That's, that feels like a really significant shift that you're take, almost taking responsibility for your own happiness. That must create yeah. that space. Yeah, because what happens is something that I ask my clients, that I, t- I speak to my clients all the time, with, especially the women, like when I realized that I wouldn't want to come home to me, because I was a miserable bitch from hell that would come in and start moaning. The moment he walked in, I'd start moaning about why he was late and why he was on the phone and sulking. I would stay in the car for 20 minutes (laughs) if I was coming home to that, right? Because I was expecting him to fill me up. 
No. The moment I came, filled me up, when he came home, I was like, yay, I'm excited to see you. Yeah, I can imagine that would have a completely different dynamic as as he walks into the door to be received in that way. Totally. The king's home. When all three of us would go running to him, give him a hug, my daughter would leap on him. He'd have to drop his bags, right, to catch her, right? The dogs would come running and then we'd let him be, let him have time. Right? But we'd just greet him with love, not resentment. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I took responsibility of my happiness. And I think so when part of this is we have these crazy like social narratives, don't we, where we see these idealized fairy tales of what relationships are supposed to look like. And like you think yeah. oh, your partner's gonna fill you and you know, you found your other half, all these kind of phrases that we use. And actually that kind of detracts away from the work we have to do ourselves to maintain that healthy like strong connected relationship and so it feels in all these perspective shifts that you made are like put you back in a place of power where you can reclaim that relationship and create actually what makes you happy yeah and the difference now is that I don't need him I don't need him to fill me up I love him I desire him I fancy him I don't need him I'm full I come to the relationship whole before I was coming half, he was coming half, and we were expecting to complete as one. So there was a codependency. Now I come full, he comes full, and there's an interdependency. So we grow together. And is it perfect? No. Do we still argue? Yes. This weekend I had crazy lady moment. Crazy lady. Why? Because I didn't sleep. I didn't, I had too many late nights. I got into this stupid Netflix thing and I was watching it till 2 a.m. every week, every day last week. I, I've discovered something. I never knew about this. I didn't know what Netflix was until last week, right? Just as a side note, right? When you get into a series, I didn't know, but it's so clever. They take you to the next series without any of the interruptions of like the, the, what is it called? The bit before and at the yeah, end. Credits and stuff. Credits, right? Yeah. So you, oh, you know it, you're into another one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, time, you can't, yeah, you can't leave it. Yeah, I think we've all been there. We've all been in there, like, down the abyss of Netflix. So what had occurred? I didn't look after me, so I was tired. And I'm menopausal. And when I'm tired and menopausal, I can't function. I go into crazy lady. I start blaming him for everything. I start becoming a victim and it's all his fault. And I start throwing things. <laughs> and, and so I have to forgive myself and go, I need to start take care of me, of me. I'm not watching Netflix. I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock. So taking care of yourself is actually one of the best things you can do for a relationship. it's my responsibility and I prioritize taking care of me over anything else now anything and that's why seriously I do not book appointments unless it's uh, to fill me up before 12. So what if you're someone who's like really busy at work and they're not able to kind of make that kind of commitment what are some simple things that people can do to like fill them up even if they've got a hectic schedule? So. When I was working nine to five, 
when I was working nine to five in the NHS and this is when I started the work right because I was I wasn't I don't have I've designed this life now it's taken three years but I've designed it this way right but when I was working nine to five I'd get up at 5 30 and I'd have that time before I went to work I just have that time because I couldn't function without it and so I would shift it I'd go to bed at nine but I would be disciplined to get up at 5.30, do my meditation, do my journaling. Then I'd, we'd actually go to the gym together at 6.30. So that would be our couple time as well as exercise. I'd come back at 8, we'd have breakfast together. And then I'd start my day at 9. So I think what you're saying, it feels like what you're saying is if something's important enough, then you can you can find the space in, in, your, in your life to, to put these things in. And I guess you probably have more energy and productivity as a result anyway, because... Huge. Tons more, tons more. When you make looking after you a must, like an absolute must, because mm-hmm. here's the piece, right? The days you don't do it are the days you realise that it's a must. Mm-hmm. The okay. days I got busy and lay in were the days where I was like, mm, Nothing went right because I didn't prime my day. Mm-hmm. I didn't set the day up. Right? That time, that sacred time for me. Right? And so now I've designed my life. Now that I, I gave up my NHS job and I, I'm able to grow a successful coaching business, I've designed my life now where I will only see my clients at a time that it suits me because. If I don't do my work, my inner work, I can't give to them because then what happens, I'm operating from a place of depletion and I end up resenting them. That's not my standard. Isn't that? And it's it's an interesting pattern here you just mentioned that any part of your life gets affected when you are not taking the time out to fill yourself. Like It it feeds into into your relationships, into your work, into your self-esteem, like everything. Just feels like one simple thing. This, and I think one of the challenges we have as like humans is kind of raising this belief that self care and putting yourself first and spending that time for you is is kind of selfish. But it's not right. It's not. It can't be selfish because actually it it amplifies everything because it's selfish to not spend it. It's actually selfish to not spend that time doing the inner work. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you don't do the inner work and you expect somebody else to provide it for you and you don't do it for yourself, you're setting yourself up to fail. Right. You can't expect somebody else to take care of you if you don't take care of yourself. And often I have women say, yeah, but we've got children and, and all. Well, I've got children as well. And... I decided that I was going to lead by example. I have two daughters, one's 22 and one's 16 now. And because they saw their mummy doing meditation, because they saw their mummy going to the gym, because they saw their mummy having quiet time, my eldest daughter, who's at school in New York studying fashion, at the same time, studying fashion she's now studied to be a meditation teacher so she teaches meditation online that's awesome that's become the norm for her I didn't ask her to do that right 
studies Buddhist philosophy because it's become the norm. My youngest daughter goes to bed listening to meditation every night, listening to theta brainwaves every night. She studies the likes of um, uh, great authors like um, The Success Principles by... Um, the names just... Yes. She has done Tony Robbins events. Her first Tony Robbins event was a date with destiny on her 14th birthday when Tony came wow. off the stage and wished us a, wished her happy birthday and wished the whole family like spent time with us. Um, and so this isn't stuff that I've forced them to do. It's stuff that they've seen the results that's occurred with their own mother. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I so, love that. I love that, you did that example. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, she, she, the younger one, she has a vision board on in her bedroom, and we did it. She came to me and she said, "I want to do it." Right? Because like, this is part of the success principles, and and she said, "I want to do it." And so we, I said, "Okay, we'll get the boards and we'll do it." And we started in my office and she said, Mummy, I want to do it in my bedroom. So she went up and did it in her bedroom and she finished it. And she, I was in my office and she came down and she said, Mummy, like, I've done it. I said, bring it down, show me. She said, I can't bring it down. I said, why? And she said, you have to come up. And okay, I said, okay. I went up to her bedroom and the wall that faces her bed, right? So when, the first thing she looks at when she gets up, she had created a vision board on the entire wall. That's amazing. Right? Because she said, I couldn't keep it in one board, like the board wasn't big enough, right? Because her mind, there's no cap, there's no container, right? We have conversations about the quantum like she's studying right now, Joe Dispenza with me. She's wow. homeschooled, right? Right. Wow. Wow. I love that. Wow. I'd love to have another conversation with her about that at some point. Um, yeah. I want to ask you just a couple of questions around journaling and the inner work because you mentioned that one of the things that women need to help us get into our feminine is to be seen and heard. And you said that mm-hmm. that starts with being seen and heard by yourself. So is journaling a tool? Can you talk us through how you use journaling so that you get to see and hear yourself? What are some of your practices and tips around that? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have a format per se, but I do. It's kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. So um, the first thing I do is when I find that I'm particularly, I use journaling when I'm frustrated or when I'm feeling something negative inside of me, right? Because before I used to it out at my husband and expect him to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. Now what I do is I get it all out first and I don't judge it. So I write it all out and I write it fast. He's an idiot and I hate him and this is, he doesn't care about me and this means that, 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 and all that, right? Get it all out. And I look at it, take a breath and I go, okay, I ask myself a question. Is this the truth? What is the truth? Is this really the truth? 
The breath is really important because what the breath does, it takes you from your head, connects you to your heart, connects you back to the feminine. Is this the truth? What am I feeling is another question. And I write the feelings down. I just ram like in a list. Anger, frustration. I don't put a meaning on it. I just write it down. And I feel it. I just feel it. Then take a breath. And I go, okay, are you ready to let go? Yeah. And I just visualize it leaving my body. And I release it sometimes to the ocean, sometimes to the sky. And I just release the energy. And I can, as I'm talking about it, I can feel the energy in my hands. Sometimes get a tingling feeling. Let it go. Honor it. Thank you. I love you. I release you. Let it go. It's almost for me, journaling is a healing process. Let it go. And then I write the truth. And the truth is just a story. It's all programming. It's triggering. The truth is it doesn't really mean anything. What do I want to feel in my heart? And then something that I work with with my couples is a really great question that I ask myself. Am I choosing to be right over love? Or am I choosing love over being right? That's a great question. Yeah. When you're in that heated conversation, and you know when you're in an argument and you're in it, you're so in it that you forget what you're arguing about in the first yeah. place. Because mm-hmm. you're so busy wanting to be right. I'm right. I'm right. I wanted to be right. He was wrong. He needed fixing. That's why I took him to Tony Robbins. Right? So when I ask myself that question, what am I choosing? Am I choosing to love myself in this moment? Or am I choosing that I'm right? Because if I'm right, it's the ego. I love myself. I forgive myself. Not perfect. I don't aim to be. But I'm choosing to love myself today. So how does that feel? Feels happy. It feels joyous. And in that moment, in those feelings, those are the feelings of high vibe. Because feelings actually have a frequency. They have a vibration. When we talk about high vibe, it's literally a frequency. It's a, it's a science. Joy, love have high frequencies. So when we choose to live in that, we attract things of that same frequency that make us happy. Oh, that was that was such a great example. We'll include that as the, uh, you'll be able to download that in the show notes as the journaling prompts. But I just love this idea that you're able to take yourself to like your journal and to do like the emotional labor in your journal. And then when you, rather than relying on your partner to be that, because that's really what you're doing, isn't it? Like rather than showering yeah. your, your partner, you're showering your journal, but then your partner doesn't get to see the stuff they don't need to see because that was never theirs in the first place to have to deal with. You get to right. For it yourself, feel better about yourself because you've been able to process it in a, in like say a grown up way without kind of losing yourself. That must then boost yeah. your confidence, your self love, and then you can be the person you're supposed to be rather than someone that you actually don't like because you're not very nice to other people. 
Right. I love the way you've summarized that, Georgina, exactly that. And and then you don't, you, here's the other piece, you don't have to share everything with him. Yeah. He doesn't have to do it all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Just give him the nice bits, right? <laughs> share the nice bits. I used to like give him so much grief and expect him to fix my problem, mm-hmm. right? I use my journal now to fix my problem. Because I'm a grown-up. You're so empowering. Like you must be so much more empowered because like, you don't need you you can let's say fix in inverted commas, but you can you can heal yourself, you can empower yourself and you have that within you rather than relying on someone else and then feeling rubbish because of that. And I just imagine the and it's like just let's close by talking about how is your relationship now like after this amazing journey you've been through. Because you, you yeah. mentioned earlier, this, you just had your 25th wedding anniversary, which, as you said, was supposed to be the date you were going to get, you were getting divorced. I know that hasn't happened. So how are things oh. now? And, yeah. Oh my God, things are incredible and we still grow. And I won't lie and say that they're perfect. They're not. We had a row this weekend. I didn't take care of myself. I was wrong. He didn't take care of himself. He was wrong. It's all okay. The, the arguments used to last months and were frequent. Now they're every now and again, right? And they last an hour, if that, right? So having this awareness, and it often occurs when I don't do my journaling. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Right? It often occurs when I don't do my self-healing. And also, I wanted to have that there, there are times when I can't see stuff. And that's why I have a coach. I have a mentor. I have a spiritual healer. I do invest in me and the work I do. Because how can I, I expect my clients to invest in themselves if I don't? Yeah, that's so true. So true. And right? So one more question about your husband. So I just, I think this will give me a nice gauge as to how things are really shifted for you. So are you together yeah. now because you've been together all this time or, or are you, do you now choose him? Is he, is he the man you choose? Oh my God. I just got goosebumps when you asked me that because when I think about him, I get goosebumps because I am so passionately and madly in love with this crazy man who does still drive me crazy. I, he... He surprises me every day, and they're not always the good surprises. <laughs> but I learn to love every part of him, and I learn to love the spontaneity. I mean, like, for example, our 25th wedding anniversary I shared with you earlier. Like, in July, I just happened to mention that I want to be by the ocean to write my third book, and left it at that. Didn't try and plan it or control it or anything, just left it. And in August was our 25th wedding anniversary. And he said to me, we are going to Spain next week. I've organized for us to go to Spain next week, pack the house, pack the child, pack the dogs. We're going for a month. And I was like, yay. (laughs) A bit scared, I'll be honest. A bit like, oh, how am I going to pack the whole house and everything? Like, he said, nope, we've arranged for a beautiful apartment by the ocean. 
I'll do my work there. You can do your work there. We're going. We packed up. That was September. We are now in December. We're still here in Spain and we've extended for another three months. I love it. That's amazing. Escape the British winter. There you go. (laughs) Do lockdown here, right? And has it been easy? Yes, because we've allowed it to be. Do we miss our family? Yes, we do. But we focus on love. We focus on, do I still, I choose to be with him. I don't have to be. I can financially support myself. I can be anywhere in the world doing my work. I choose to be with this man. Every night when I lay next to him, I hold him and I thank him for choosing to walk this path with me because it's an honor and a privilege. I don't take that for granted. He chooses to walk this path with me. And I choose to walk side by side with him. And if at any point we choose to go differently, then we'll respect that. So in answer to your question, yeah, we choose. We don't need, we choose. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story about your relationship, how you turned it all around. It's just so inspiring to hear. Like, it's beautiful. Thank you for being so open and so detailed. It's just been amazing to, to, to hear more about it. Oh, I appreciate you so much for the opportunity, Georgina. Just People want to reach out to me, they can. I have a website, dimple.love. It's just as simple as that, www.dimple.love. That's it. So we'll include that in the show notes. But so you, and you obviously offer coaching and for couples and and yeah, absolutely. So I my primary coaching, my one to one coaching is for um, male executives, entrepreneurs, and their partners. So I do it that way around because my speciality is building men up again. My my desire, my wish is for all men to feel like kings in their own home. Mm-hmm. to feel like and and the reason I do it that way is because I'm actually helping the women right yeah. yes but the book that I'm writing now is is a guide for men on all the things that their wife wishes she could tell them to make it <laughs> <laughs> right all Maybe. the things that she wishes she could tell him but doesn't know how right and all the things that it's it's like breaking the code of the woman for for the guy. Mm-hmm. That sounds all awesome. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm writing at the moment. I'm so excited because I get downloads all the time about and as I'm working with these guys, I get it. I'm writing it for men to read, right? right? right. Yeah. Perfect. So yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dimple. It's been amazing to speak with you. So everyone, that's a wrap for this latest episode of the Writing Your Best Self podcast. I've been Georgina. This is your new friend, Dimple, and we'll see you very soon. Take care.